Well, this morning, uh, I invited someone to come speak to us this morning. Uh, Anne is going to come in a minute. Anne is just a small uh, brief of who she is. Um, Anne is an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. And holds a doctorate from Regent, is that right? From Regent University. Uh, Anne is a adjunct professor at North Point Bible College. And Anne is one of our presbyters for our network of churches in southern New England. So she sits with others and help giving our network uh, leadership and guidance. And so um, Anne holds a lot of those kinds of uh, credentials. But what's most important about Anne is Anne loves Jesus. And Anne is a friend. And so if you forget all those other things about Anne, <laughs> Anne would want you to know that she loves Jesus and she's a friend to me, which makes her a friend of faith. So I hope you welcome Anne as she comes up and speaks this morning. Thank you. That's true. He did emphasize the two most important things. That's awesome. Uh, thank you, Pastor Steve and Lori, for inviting me to come. I'm so happy to be here. This is my first time being at uh, Faith. Well, not my first time experiencing Faith. I experienced that a long time ago. Still experience it every day, but the first time Faith AG on the Cape. So, um, so happy to be here with all of you, and uh, I love Jesus. We can forget all the other things. They are accolades that... God gave me, and he strengthened me for, and he called me to do. Um, but I just love him with my whole heart, and I love talking about him. And I love encouraging people. Uh, I think that's my superpower. He's the super one, but he gives me the power to do that. So um, if you were coming looking for a Pentecost Sunday message, I apologize. Well, I don't really apologize. Yeah. Oh, there's tape on it. Okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, these are youth I can only wear these to see you guys Oh look, a new one See When you ask, you'll receive Thank you so much See what a servant he is I tell you uh, Pastor Steve and Lori are friends of mine And they are really good people so you are blessed to have them here. So. And they didn't ask me to say that, but if they gave me $10 later, that'd be great. So anyway, I was saying that today is Pentecost Sunday, um, and if you were coming to look for one of those messages about Pentecost, you can take that up with God. Because I said to him, you know what, Lord, it would be great if I could just preach on Pentecost today. And he kind of, you know, didn't say anything. <laughs> but then I felt like he wanted me to go somewhere else. But I tried to encourage him that, no, this is Pentecost Sunday. And this is the way we do things here on earth, right? But um, then I decided perhaps it would be in my best interest and all of your best interest if I followed what he wanted me to say this morning, right? So... If you have any issue with the message this morning, you can talk to him. So that takes the pressure off me completely. As you notice, I'm, I'm not one of the stuffy preachers or whatever. So if you laugh, if there's something funny, laugh. It encourages me. Um, 
and I do say silly things, so don't hold it against me. So we'll have grace for each other, okay, in that. Uh, So this morning, we will find ourselves, if you have your Bible this morning, we're going to find ourselves in Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, and as you're looking to find it, or I don't know if they put it up on the screen or whatever, if you're on your own, you can just listen. Listening's great, too. Um, Let me just make sure that we're all on the same page in understanding where we are in Israel's history. I'm guessing that this will not be new to you. It's not going to be, you know, like I'm dropping something that you've never heard before. But I want to make sure that we're on the same page and just remembering, right? It's always good to talk it through because we learn stuff from that. So we remember that Israel was a united kingdom at one point, right? And, and Saul was king, remember his name? And then David was king. You probably remember King David. And then David's son, Solomon, was king. And then Solomon died, and all heck broke loose, right? The chaos divided the kingdom into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And along the way, there were some good kings, very few. And there were a lot of evil kings, many more. But uh, Jeremiah comes onto the scene as a prophet to Judah, the southern kingdom. Now, when he comes onto the scene, the northern kingdom has already made its mistakes. You see, God was giving the same message to the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And his message was, obey me and my word. Right? Can we agree upon that, that that's what was being said at the time? All God wants is obedience. It's all he asks. And yet, as humans, it's really hard sometimes. Right? I mean, can we just be honest here and realize that life is not easy, even when we become a Christian, and it should be all like nice fluffy bunnies and all the, the, it's not easy, right? But with him, it's easier, right? And knowing he's on our side, we can make it through, right? That's kind of added an extra. So God's message to both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom was one of obedience, And of course, the northern kingdom, well, they didn't turn from their wicked ways. And so God finally said, after pleading and pleading and pleading with them, he said, all right, you you chose the dark way. So Assyria came in and battled them and won and took them away to captivity. Now, one would think that if the southern kingdom saw what happened to the northern kingdom they would turn around and do what God wanted them to do, right? And that's exactly what they didn't do, (laughs) right? Judah was falling into the same track of being disobedient. And so God would send prophet upon prophet upon prophet. And so we come up to this point of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is born at the time when Manasseh is the king of Judah, Now, when you think of evil kings and you look it up in the dictionary, there's Manasseh's picture because he was one of the evilists, evilist, most evil king, right? So if you look in the dictionary, there is his picture. So Jeremiah is born into Manasseh being king. Not really a bright picture, 
right? And then when Manasseh ends being king, his son Amon comes in, but only for two years because then he's killed off, right? And then Josiah comes in. And during the time that Jeremiah is the prophet, he is the prophet actively speaking to five kings, right? Josiah, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. Aren't you impressed? All you have to do is say it fast and confidently. That is the secret to saying any name in the Bible. Mephibosheth, right? (laughs) See, I told you. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) My one time here was really nice. Um, Anyway, so he is the prophet that is speaking during the time of these five kings that are reigning. Jeremiah is also known as the weeping prophet. I don't know that I would really want that to go along with my name. Now, I imagine that he was probably considered the weeping prophet because he was weeping for the lost. But I also think that maybe he was the weeping prophet because he was lonely. He didn't get married. He always had to go take this message of doom and gloom. If you don't repent, then God is going to bring judgment. He was being attacked by the people. The people were saying, let's just kill off Jeremiah. Because they thought, if we kill the messenger of God, if we silence the prophets, that will silence God's word. That doesn't work, right? It doesn't work at all. But I have to imagine that maybe that's where some of this weeping comes from, right? But something that we do know, and actually I just want to read the scripture that I made you turn to uh, first And then there's four observations I want to make about this portion of Scripture. So Jeremiah chapter 18, I'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 12 in the New International Version. Verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned." And if at another time I announce that a kingdom, a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Verse 11, now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, look, 
I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. Wow. So, aren't you encouraged this morning? After that depressing scripture right there. But there is truth in this passage that we need to grab hold of. Even though it was spoken so long ago, the principles of this apply to us today. We have to grab hold of scripture. Don't think that the Old Testament, it's old. I don't need to pay attention to it anymore. We have to because all of it is God's word. And he can speak afresh and anew to us today as he did so many years ago, right? So there's really four things that I want to pay attention to here in this scripture. The first is technically not in chapter 18. And that that point that I want to make is that Jeremiah was called. Jeremiah was called. And, And I know that because if I look back in Jeremiah chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, but you can if you want, or you can write it down and look later. It's always good to write down stuff. Because you've got to keep accountable whoever's up here that they're preaching the word and saying the truth. Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse 4, says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse 6, ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue, rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah was called. And that's significant, not just for Jeremiah being a prophet. He was one of the major prophets, right? Which doesn't mean he's any better than the rest of the prophets. It just means he wrote more stuff down, right? His book is bigger, so he's major. He's in the major leagues, right? All the prophets are important, right? But what's important is that he knows he was called, He didn't just hear about it. Mom and dad said that God said that I would be a prophet. He heard it because he said, really, Lord, are you serious? You know I'm a kid, right? I can't do this. I can't speak. I don't know what to say. No one's going to listen to me. But what did God say? Don't say you're a kid. I will give you the words to speak, and you speak them. Don't shy back and don't be afraid. Jeremiah needed to know that. Because the only way that we're going to be able to do what God calls us to do is if we're sure that he has called us. Like if you don't have that surety, confidence, that confidence that he has called you, it makes life a lot harder. Because when things get bad and tough, you'll be like, see you later, it must have been a mistake. And walk away. And just as Pastor Steve said at the beginning, we're all called, right? Some are called 
to be pastors, but we're all called to do whatever it is that he has placed within us. Whatever skills to be a boat captain, to be a baker, to be a CEO, to drive dump trucks, whatever it is. Because he knows that you being in that role, you will be able to reach people that Pastor Steve can't reach. He doesn't go in those circles, right? His role is to equip you so that you can go out and do what God's called you to do, right? And we need to know that calling. If you've not had that moment when God has said, I have called you to do fill in the blank, you need to find that time. Spend time with him because God wants to tell you. God wants us to move where he's called us to move. That's added. That's extra. What's important here is Jeremiah was called, right? The second thing is, second point is that Israel was clay. Israel was clay. And what interests me so much about this portion of scripture and really the phrase that God keeps saying to me is marred in his hands, right? We know that Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and it's interesting because God tells him go to the potter's house and then in the next verse it says he went down to the potter's house. He's obedient, right? God says it, he does it. And even writes it down so we know he heard exactly and did exactly what God wanted him to do. But as he was watching the potter, the potter was already at work when he got down there to the potter's house. And he was watching the potter as he's interacting with the clay on that wheel. And as he's shaping it, he noticed that the clay was marred in his hands. Now, can I just be honest for a second? I have a really hard time with that scripture. Because I know that God is saying that he's the potter and we're the clay, right? If I'm marred in his hands, then did he make a mistake? But if we really read scripture and read it carefully, it says that it was marred, the clay was marred in his hands, not by his hands. Did you notice that? It didn't say that the potter ruined the clay. Because let's think about it. Let's, let's stretch ourselves a little bit and go back to the very beginning of the Bible. Do you remember in the beginning of the Bible when God's creating everything? He's speaking, oh, may this happen and this happen and this happen. It's good, 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 good. But then it says that he formed Adam from the dirt. Isn't dirt similar to clay? I know there's molecular, it's different on a molecular level, but if we can just kind of stretch it just a little bit, I just want to stretch the word just a little bit, that God molded him together from dirt or clay, and God said it was very good. Look at Adam. He's very good, right? Right? There's nothing wrong with him. He's good. But then if we read just another chapter in Genesis, we know that a snake comes in. I don't like snakes. I have to be honest. I don't like little ones. I don't discriminate. I don't like little ones. I don't like big ones. I don't like any kind of snakes. But remember that serpent comes in and deceives Eve and Adam. Eve gets blamed Adam doesn't get off the hook because he was there. I won't go down that road. <laughs> but when that deception came in and they were disobedient to God, sin came in. Sin 
marred them. Are you seeing where I'm going? Adam's created, he's very good. Sin mars him. But if we will put ourselves back in the potter's hands, he can refashion us into something to his liking. It's never too late. Right? God wants us to come back. He continues to tell us, if there's some way that you feel like you've been marred in this life, go sit on the potter's wheel. Put yourself back into his hands because he wants to remold and refashion you. Right? That's what he wants to do. So the potter didn't mar the clay. The clay was marred in the potter's hand. But what's really interesting is this word marred in the Hebrew. I'm not going to say the Hebrew because (laughs) I don't speak Hebrew. I did take two semesters of it, but I don't speak Hebrew. Anyway, um, that same word for marred is also found just a couple of pages over in Jeremiah chapter 13. So I just want to read this little portion. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. Jeremiah 13, 1 through 7 says, This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch water. So I bought a belt, as the Lord directed, and put it around my waist. He is just obedient. That's fantastic. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist and go now to Perith and hide it there in a crevice in the rocks. So I went and hid it at Perith as the Lord told me. Many days later, the Lord said to me, go now to Perith and get the belt I told you to hide there. So I went to Perith and dug up the belt and took it from the place where I had hidden it. But now it was ruined, marred, ruined. It's the same thing, but there's a couple extra words here at the end that say, but it was ruined and completely useless. Completely useless. It could not be used again. The reason I point that out is because it doesn't say that at the potter's house. It doesn't say that that piece was completely useless. In the potter's hands, we are never completely useless. As long as we see him and put ourselves back in his hands, he can make something new out of us. Kind of like that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that I'm a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, but the new has come, right? That we can always be this new person. So Jeremiah was called... Israel was the clay. That's the second point. Number three is that Israel had a choice. Israel had a choice. You see, then God speaks and says, you know, can't I do what the potter does with the clay? And he says that, you know, if there happened to be a nation or a kingdom that was doing evil and I said I was going to judge them, if they turn away, if they repent then I will relent. If they would say, I am so sorry, I'm turning away from that, then God's going to say, oh, okay, then I'm not going to do what I was going to do. Right? Now that's the part that we expect. The part we don't necessarily expect is the part over here where he also says, and if there's a nation or a kingdom that I have said that I would bless, and they do evil then I'm going to rethink, I'm going to reconsider what about the good that I was going to put on them. 
right? Because evil and God cannot be in the same place, right? We either choose to be there or we choose to repent and go God's way. Can I just say, in my almost 30 years of being with the Lord, choose his way saves a lot of heartache, right? And a lot of pain. It removes a lot of humility when you have to get down on your face again and say, Lord, I did it again. Of course, I do that a lot, so. Anyway, it's never easy, is it? But at least we know the solution. At least we know how to get right. We just have to do it and do it quickly. So Israel has this choice of what it's going to do. Are you going to continue to head towards destruction? Do you think God's kidding? He's not kidding that judgment's going to come. Did you not see what he did to the northern kingdom? He allowed Assyria to come in and take them captive. God's not coming. Or not kidding, I mean. And they thought, well, we're blessed because we are the chosen people. God's not going to do that to us. He just said in his word that he's going to do that. And they have a choice. It's funny because God doesn't just whack somebody and they goes, oh, you didn't see that one coming, did you? Right? He's telling them exactly what's going to happen. Israel had a choice. They could have turned. They could have turned back to him. Things would be very different. But number four is what I say, Israel lost courage. It may seem like a funny fourth point, especially because it says that they choose, they, they finally say, we're not going to do this. They're going to reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. I could have said, Israel continues to be the way that they are. But really, it's they lost courage because they didn't stand up. Think of all the things that God brought Israel through. The Red Sea, through the attack of the Egyptians, through everything that they went through. And yet they still didn't believe him enough to choose his side. They lost courage somewhere along the way. They didn't hear listen to, believe the stories that had been passed down after generation, after generation, after generation. And just so it doesn't seem like I'm picking on the Israelites, we often do the same thing. That we forget the stories. We forget the miracles. We forget the answered prayers. You know, we ask God and then that thing seems to get better and do we go back and thank him for that? Do we forget that he has healed in the past or he has done this miracle or he has gotten this job for us or whatever? We often forget, which is why testimonies are so important, to come back and let's testify what God has done. Right? The word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, that's what Jesus did, and the word of our testimony, that's what Jesus did in our lives specifically. Right? So Jeremiah was called, Israel was clay, Israel had a choice, and they lost courage. So what does this have to do, what, what's this mean for us? Right, this, was so, this is so Old Testament, right? Like, how can we take application from this? 
I read a commentator who said, his name was Lawrence Richards, and he said this about this portion of scripture in Jeremiah 18. He said, this was a message of grace. Judah had resisted the divine potter. Yet even now, God was willing to begin anew and reshape his people into that good vessel he had in mind from the beginning. Right? This is his message of grace for us. And we can flip around those four points that were used specifically in this scripture and apply them to our lives. We are called, each and every one of us. Don't think you're not called. Because God created you. Psalm 139 says that he knits you together in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? He's got a plan and a purpose for your life, right? He has something specifically for each and every one of us to do. So we are called, and we need to make sure that we realize that and that we're listening for him. And you know what? Being called of God means that you are of great value, If no one's ever said that to you, let me say it to you right now. You are of great value. This world will chew you up and spit you out. They won't see the value. But you were created in God's image. It says that somewhere in this book, right? In the very beginning it says that. You were created in God's image, which gives you inherent value because of that. Don't let anyone strip that away from you. Don't walk in it pridefully. I'm God's chosen. I'm called by him. (laughs) But let's walk in it like, you know what? I'm called, but you are too. So let's find out where we are. So we are called. We are the clay. If you're here and you feel marred, you feel broken, you feel like something's happened to you that God can never redeem, Don't listen to those lies. God can redeem you. God simply wants you to cry out to him. And it was so strong on my heart that I don't know if it's someone in this room or someone online, but someone here needs to know, here or online, that God is not stopping because of your being marred. He doesn't look at you in that way. He looks at you as who you can become with his hands on your life, with him speaking into you. He can fix anything that's broken. He can take away shame and hopelessness. He's the answer. So if you feel marred, don't let that stop you from coming to him. He can change your life forever. I remember growing up, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I will never slam the Catholic Church. I'll just tell you that. Because they gave me a foundation of knowing Jesus and knowing God. So coming into the fullness of the Spirit for me was a lot easier. But between the time that I left the Catholic Church and I came to faith, I didn't come to faith until I was 27, I had some miserable years when I thought I was worthless. And I thought no one would know if I didn't show up at school the next day. Like I came to the point of even planning the day that I was going to kill myself in high school. Luckily, there was a friend that saw the signs in me and saw how I was feeling that she came over and she was with me on that day and she wouldn't leave me alone. You see, she had also had those feelings and she had tried to kill herself, but she didn't succeed. 
which sometimes is almost worse for that person because they feel even worse. I couldn't even succeed in that. But she talked me off the ledge, literally. She saved my life that day. That shame that I had all those years fell off of me when I came to faith, when I came to that altar at 27. And when I say to you, like, you're supposed to, you're called to do things and you're with a group of people that are meant to, you're meant to minister to, you don't have to say the right words. Because I went to photography school and at photography school, I met a couple of other girls there that were also commuters. We became close friends and uh, there was something about this one girl that I thought, she's got something I want. So I would try to hang out with her on the weekends. You know, we would go, I'd say, hey, you want to go do this photography homework or whatever? And she'd be like, oh, I can't this weekend. I work all day Saturday. I'm like, okay, so how about Sunday? No, I can't because i got to go to church. I'm like, okay, so with me, remember Catholic, 45 minutes in, out, done. Um, I said... How about after church? And she said, oh, no, I go home and eat dinner with my family. I'm like, how about after that? I go back to church. Did you not get it right the first time that you have to go back twice in one day? <laughs> Couldn't comprehend it. But still, there was, some, there was some attraction, and I don't mean a weird way. I mean there was something she had I wanted, and what it was was peace, Right? So I kept asking and asking and asking, and one day I said, hey, there's this photography expo on a Sunday. You know, let's go. I can't. I have church. I'm like, can't you just tell your mom and dad that you have to go to this photography thing? And she turned to me and she said, Anne, I go to church because I want to go to church. And so before I knew it, the words came out of my mouth. Can I go to church with you sometime? <laughs> she did not invite me to church. She didn't tell me about church. Nothing. But what she lived is what I wanted. If we live, amen, praise God. If we live like Jesus is someone you want to get to know, people will be drawn to you. It's not work. It's a, oh, I can just tell you what he did in my life, and I know he'll do it in your life, right? But sometimes we, we get caught right after we've been sucking lemons, People don't want that Jesus, right? When you look miserable, when you look beat up, people don't want that Jesus. They want the Jesus that will give them a peace that surpasses all understanding, right? You are not too marred to be used by God. We have a choice. We can choose his way or we can continue on our own. And I can just tell you, if I continue on my own, I'm in trouble big time. And then the fourth thing is we need courage. We need courage to change. We need courage to go his way. We need courage to stay on that wheel even when times get tough. So even though this passage was from the Old Testament, it still applies today. We are called, we are clay, we have a choice, and we need courage. So let's walk in that. Pastor Steve, would you like to come and close out the service today? Amen. Thank you so much, Anne. Uh, I'm grateful for today's message. I'm glad it wasn't uh, a Pentecostal message because I think it, it 
speaks to where we're at as a church. And um, as we close, Sean's going to just strum something. I'm going to ask us all just to stand. When she was uh, talking about, there's somebody here this morning who feel uh, the, the piece about being marred and feeling unfit, unusable, past your prime, whatever, however that falls in. As she preached, I resonated, and then she explained later that that's the one that stuck with her too. And so this morning, um, I'm not going to ask people to come to the altar, but while you're standing there, I'm going to ask us to surrender to God. I'm going to say, if you're here today and one of those points resonated with you, if you feel marred, like you've just been hurt too far, you're just survival mode, or, or you've seen some things and done some things and God probably isn't, doesn't want to use you because of your experiences, or the family you were raised up in and, you know, you feel whatever however marred that falls into. The word, the word today is you're not too far as long as you're in the potter's hands. And so your decision today might just be, Lord, I surrender. I place myself back in your hands to make something beautiful out of my life. And the promise today is that God will do that. The other thing today that resonated is If you don't feel like you're marred and you feel like you're in the potter's hands, but you need courage to obey, would you surrender today as well and say, Lord, I I, I place myself in your hands. Give me courage to be obedient to to what you ask me to do. Maybe today you're struggling with calling. Maybe you don't feel marred. Maybe you don't feel like there's anything standing in the way of you and God. Maybe, maybe you're not somebody who lacks courage, but you've got no idea what God has in store for your life. Like me, I feel called to be a pastor. Jeremiah knew he was called to be a prophet. Right? He, we know what God's asking us to do. Maybe you have no clue. Today as we surrender, we just say, Lord, I have no idea what you want me to do with my life. Would you please speak to me? So this morning, and just as a sign of surrender, I'm going to ask you to to just hold out your hands like this. Right? You can raise them as much as you want or, or a little. But just open your hands and say, as I pray, whatever category you feel into, say, Lord, I place myself there. Speak to me. Empower me. Give me courage. Heal me. I place myself in your hands. Lord, we thank you for this morning's word. The fact, the reminder that we can learn your principles even from the Old Testament. And the example of the the potter and, and the clay. And Lord, this morning there were some similar things spoken here that we've heard from this pulpit before about how we evangelize, how we live our lives, what we're called to, these kinds of things. And it's just confirmation that you're speaking to us, Lord. And Lord, if we've learned anything from your word is when you speak, we should respond. 
And so this morning, Lord, we respond and we surrender to you, Lord. We're all in a different place in our life and in our walk. Some of us, Lord, need to hear your voice of what are you asking me to do with my life? Where, what am I called to? What community of people, what neighbor, what family member, what, what group, what activity, what, 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 what? What am I called to, Lord? Would you speak to us? Some of us, Lord, have been marred by sin and by society and people and all kinds of things. And we know that, but we somehow think that equates to we can't really be all the things you've promised in your word. Because sin has had this effect on us. Evil has had this effect on us. Lord, today we place ourselves back into your hands and we surrender and we say, Lord, would you make something beautiful out of this lump of yucky clay that I call my life? I got no idea how you can do it. I got no idea how you unscramble eggs. But Lord, in your hands, anything can happen. So I place my, my life into your hands and I say, Lord, I, I surrender. I take my hands off and I say, Lord, would you just do something beautiful from this mess? For others, Lord, we pray today for courage. That we know you've spoken to us. We know you've been working on our lives and doing something. But Lord, we just can't seem to take that step. That it frightens us, it, it scares us, we get anxiety over it. But Lord, would you just impart courage to us? We surrender today. Say, Lord, would you give us courage to do what you've asked us to do, to go where you've asked us to go, to surrender what you've asked us to surrender. we're so grateful that not only do you demonstrate your love by saving us just as we are but you love us enough Lord that you take the mess that we are the mess that we were and you make something beautiful out of it a shining example of who you are and what you can do with a life fully devoted to you Lord, would you do that in our lives as, a, as individuals, as a, as a faith community here at the church? Would you continue to work in us and through us and mold us into the kind of people that bring you honor and glory and alert the world to who you are? We thank you for your work that's going on in our lives right now. And I pray, Lord, as we leave this place that that would continue you continue to speak to us the value that we have regardless of how we see ourselves. Would you, would you tell us how you see us? Would you speak to us what you're making us and molding us into? Would you impart courage and strength to live for you? Lord, we ask that you would bless Anne. Thank you for using her to bring a word today. Lord, we're not ignorant. She's not... She's a normal person with 
with normal needs and normal things that she's believing you for, Lord. We pray that you'd bless her, that you'd speak to her, that you'd encourage her, that you would lead her. Lord, we love you as we leave this place. Would your Holy Spirit remind us daily of your love for us, your presence with us, and your power that can work through us. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.